This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I am truly Kevin Randall. I do not feb on that point. Uh, before I bring on the guest, Tony Begalia, <clears throat> I just wanted to say last week, you may have tuned in and expected to hear Steve Bassett. Uh, we had to postpone that show until, uh, I think, March 17th. Uh, Steve Steve will be on. Uh, he apparently was getting his COVID shot on on the uh, at the time we normally do the program. So I figured that was much more important than chatting with me for an hour. <clears throat> so we'll have... Excuse me. We'll have Stephen Bassett on in a couple of weeks. And as we said, uh, Tony Begalia is the guest today. He has long been interested and investigated the UFO phenomena from exposing the most famous UFO cases, uh, Socorro as a student prank, and I may argue with him on that point, to finding scientists involved in the study of the memory metal debris from the Roswell UFO crash. His discoveries are always sure to be thought-provoking and even provocative. Um, He has contributed to online articles that have appeared on numerous websites and blogs and discussed on various forums worldwide. His work has been featured in books, including Witness to Roswell, Inside Area, The Real Area 51, and The Children of Roswell, as well as magazine articles, including the Nexus, Atlantis Rising, and Paranoia, and in newspapers including The Mirror, The Herald Tribune, and The Daily Voice. Tony applies his research and interview skills that he has owned as an executive search consultant for some of the world's leading corporations in exploring the world of UFOs. Uh, Free to call it as he sees it, his reports are bold and uncensored. He is not affiliated with any organization and self-funds all his investigative work. UFX, UFO Explorations, which is his website at www.ufoexplorations.com, UFO Explanation, Explorations, one word, all lowercase, is the venue for posting his uh, latest reports. Tony, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you so much for having me on, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners Uh, Let's just, I'm sorry, let's just leap into this. I have a frog in my throat for some reason today, and I don't know what's what's causing that. Anyway, uh, I think this all started, well, it's all started with the search for the Roswell memory medal many years ago, if I'm not mistaken. It sure did. It did, Kevin. It goes way back. Uh, I've been particularly fascinated in the uh, material, the debris uh, that was found at Roswell. You know, certainly you and I have talked to a lot of uh, witnesses uh, to the Roswell uh, incident over the years. But one of the things that really stuck out to me uh, was this constant mention of uh, a memory medal and uh, this idea of being able to take a piece of material and deform it or crunch it up and it returns back to its original state. And uh, 
altogether, we probably have all come up with at least 40 witnesses. In fact, I have uh, developed a table of witnesses to that uh, material. And uh, so that got me very interested. Uh, years ago, I actually uh, submitted a, a FOIA uh, to uh, uh, the uh, Department of Defense uh, requesting information on something that I had discovered, uh, Kevin, and that was that in 1948, about 10 months after the <laughs> Roswell crash, um, Wright Patterson, uh, at the time called Wright Field, uh, no, excuse me, it was Wright Field and then it became Wright Pat, uh, let out a contract to Battelle Memorial Institute in Columbus, Ohio, uh, to begin work on what is called a phase diagram or a recipe uh, to create what we now know as nitinol, or nickel and titanium alloy, which uh, is a shape recovery or shape memory alloy. And I found that very curious, um, the fact that they would begin to let out contracts to a quasi-private uh, scientific organization to work on these kinds of materials right after the crash. Uh, it just seemed to me to be a little more than coincidental. And together with a... Uh, neighbor and friend named Billy Cox with the Sarasota Herald, we filed uh, FOIAs to try and get those uh, phase diagrams and those Battelle progress reports. Let me, let me, interrupt, we were, here. Yeah, let me sure. interrupt here. Let me interrupt here because uh, uh, give us a little background on FOIA, just a, li just a taste of what FOIA Absolutely. is, so, so what people may not yeah. understand how it works. Yeah, FOIA or F-O-I-A stands for Freedom of Information Act. And one can file a request uh, with government agencies uh, to release uh, information that's sought uh, through a process, uh, again called FOIA. And, uh, you know, frankly, though, they only give you what they want to give you. Uh, there is no requirement for them to release anything that could jeopardize the national security. Uh, and there are some other exemptions to those kinds of requests. But they're also they're also required to answer you within a specific period of time, right? They are, and and they did. Uh, the first FOIA that I filed on this with the Memory Medal uh, took about a year. This latest um, issue with the uh, Department of Defense and the FOIA that I filed with them took three and a half years. Uh, they are required, though, to acknowledge receipt of the request and to periodically update you on where the request stands in the process. Uh, and they did that in both cases. Uh, although, frankly, I found three and a half years to be a very long time to fulfill my most recent FOIA request uh, on UFO debris uh, tests and analysis. Um, I'm told, though, that three and a half years actually is not par for the course, but it can, can take that long. I thought it was pretty fast because I've still got some that I'm waiting for after 15 years. So. Oh my gosh. You've been you've and been lucky. What do they do, respect. Kevin? Do they do they update you or do they? No, what do no. They I say? periodically I just periodically send them. Where's my request? And they yeah either ignore me and say, well, we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, that you was were, basically you were, it. Yeah. You were looking for um, information about the memory metal, or about mm -hmm. the memory metal and how it might be traceable back to the Roswell crash, correct? Absolutely. And uh, again, uh, about 10 months after the crash, Wright Patterson had, uh, which was formerly Wright Field, had uh, let contracts out to Battelle, B-A-T-T-E-L-L-E, Battelle Memorial Institute, 
uh, to begin work on essentially what is memory metal, what we now know is metal, um, memory metal or shape recovery alloys. Did you did you um, and, did you try uh, yeah. to did you, did you try to uh, look at some hints of some sort of uh, investigation into that earlier than 1947? I, I did. I actually looked for any kind of scientific precedence. Were, were there other research efforts uh, in shape recovery or shape memory alloys before that? And I was absolutely unable to find any instance where uh, research efforts were directed at. Uh, shape recovery, uh, specifically for the reason of shape recovery. Um, and that, to me, was very telling. Um, also, some of the witness testimony I found pretty uh, believable. A lot of these folks were separated by years and by distance, yet they kept on talking about this same strange material uh, that can remember itself, that was almost intelligent or adaptable, and I just couldn't get over it. And so that has been a focus of my research for many years. And that's kind of what led me into uh, this latest FOIA request uh, for uh, UFO uh, debris test analysis. And the reason I did that, uh, Kevin, is because you'll remember in 2017, I think it was um, probably the winter of 2017, the New York Times, uh, uh, Leslie Keene and another uh, reporter uh, had uh, an article uh, where they discussed uh, a DOD uh, Pentagon UFO study effort uh, that was called uh, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP. And the New York Times uh, was able to confirm that it ran for some years and under more than one name, and uh, that uh, it uh, related to uh, UFO study. But what really caught my eye was a buried mention within the article by Keane of specially modified facilities that were to hold anomalous materials at a now-defunct company called Bigelow Aerospace. And when I read that, I couldn't get over it. Uh, they were basically saying uh, that uh, UFO, now called, by the way, Kevin, UAP, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena by the government, uh, and that Bigelow Aerospace was uh, engaged to hold this material for study in what they called, quote-unquote, specialized modified facilities. And nobody seemed to be talking about that. Um, they talked about the AATIP and the UFO studies and some very interesting videos that came out of that. But no one seemed to be talking about this uh, buried mention of debris in specially modified facilities at Bigelow Aerospace. So I did a FOIA. I, uh, three and a half years ago, filed a Freedom of Information Act request asking the Department of Defense to uh, provide to me uh, the test results of the UAP material held at Bigelow Aerospace. And it was referred to the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency of the Pentagon, and that's when I began my uh, FOIA requests. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Uh, well, I, they did respond. Excuse me, why would, they, why would it end up at the DIA? Well, the Defense Intelligence Agency is part of the Pentagon, and um, I believe that the DIA are the folks that might be orchestrating uh, the material transfer 
and working with custodial companies. It has to be that. Whatever it is, the Pentagon referred it to the DIA, and I wasn't going to question that. I began a dialogue, actually, with the DIA chief of Freedom of Information, and uh, he was very responsive after some years. So you um, got, uh, I guess, a, a bunch of doc, 147 documents or 147 pages of documents um, not all that long ago yeah. based on your FOIA request? Yeah, I uh, actually uh, received about 152 pages. The DIA uh, FOIA response included uh, 30 pages of information about metallic glasses, including their uh, potential aerospace applications, uh, 32 pages of information about biomaterials, uh, 27 pages about materials for advanced aerospace platforms, uh, and 27 pages about uh, metallic spintronics or spinning electronics, and 38 pages about their aerospace applications. And when I began to read the uh, FOIA response, uh, I, I was stunned. Uh, because this material that they were referring to uh, had applications that were extraordinary. Although they didn't give me the uh, technical analysis, that is the chemical and elemental uh, analysis of the material, they did provide to me the uh, potential applications of this material. And there were four areas within all of those documents that really stuck out. Uh, well, Tony, let me, inter that, yeah, let me interrupt you there. Tony, let me interrupt you there because I'm going to have to take a break. But we'll you got be, it. I'll when we come back. back, we'll talk about the four areas that you you're it. referring to, and we'll be able to uh, get a little bit more in depth and then move it into the arena of the extraterrestrial. You got um, it. <clears throat> I do want to take a chance to thank those of you who have purchased a copy of the Best of Project Blue Book, which has been up and down on the Amazon bestseller list uh, for, for a while here, it uh, goes goes way up and goes way down, and I'm kind of surprised about that. But if you enjoyed it, please please rate it and write a review of it, because that helps us get the word out. And, of course, take a look at Encounter in the Desert and uh, the Roswell in the 21st Century. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and we will be right back, so please stick around. different perspective with Kevin Randall. I'm joined by Tony Begalia. But in keeping with the traditions of today's world, we are social distancing. He's in another state. So, and I think it's a state of panic, possibly. No, <laughs> I, I, I digress. I don't know what's going on. When we went away, we were talking about, uh, you, you mentioned four areas that uh, surprised you in the documentation that you'd received in the most recent FOIA dump. And, uh, yeah, uh, I did. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the test uh, related to a, it's called metamaterial, or M-E-T-A-M-A-T-E-R-I-A-L, metamaterial. And when they referred to metamaterial, they talked about its ability to be used to slow down light and even bring light to a complete standstill, basically implying their ability to manipulate the uh, speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. 
And then they talked about the uh, possibility of inducing invisibility by manipulating uh, refraction, uh, reflectivity, and increasing uh, light absorption. And they used terms like uh, optical isolation, uh, transparency, and then they made reference, uh, Kevin, to um, something they called a metamirror technology. And basically what I could infer from that is that they were talking about the ability to make something unable to be seen or picked up by radar or scanning or imaging. So that was the, the, the second thing. How highly classified were these documents? Well, they were under uh, uh, official use only, and they were circulated amongst theoretical physicists in academia. Uh, but let me continue about the other two uh, material uh, that uh, they discussed in that uh, response. Uh, the third uh, area that I found very interesting was that some of the material seemed to have the ability to compress electromagnetic energy, uh, which really means that you can condense uh, the energy and make information and uh, energy storage smaller and their transfer faster uh, by reducing volume. Um, and that is extraordinary. I mean, things are getting smaller and smaller, but from what I can tell, they are talking about at the molecular level here. Uh, and this would be revolutionary. But um, the fourth area uh, was when they talked about some of the materials having what they called tunable resonance which was likely, quote-unquote, determined during fabrication. And uh, what that means is that there is the ability for some materials to do what is called energy harvesting or pulling energy from the environment for low-power electronic devices. And uh, it's uh, a little beyond me, uh, but these are the four areas uh, that they seem to be concentrating on. Uh, again, the ability to manipulate the speed of light, uh, the ability to, to induce invisibility, uh, the ability to compress electromagnetic energy, and that some of these materials seem to have some sort of a tunable resonance. Um, and they call this collectively metamaterial. Uh, other portions of the reports um, centered on a next-generation material called amorphous metals. And I think you're going to find this interesting, Kevin. Amorphous metals... Are, uh, another term for them is liquid metal, or metal that runs like water. And you'll remember that there was a witness to Roswell, uh, and her name was Frankie Rowe. And I believe you may have met Frankie Rowe. Uh, I'm the one that discovered passed. her. You discovered her, and uh, she has, of course, since passed. But as I remember, and you might be able to confirm, she had talked about holding uh, a material that ran like water, like a liquid metal. And I remembered that. And I remembered that when I read about this material. And it's just one more example of how people 70 years ago were referring to things that today we're talking about. It's extraordinary. Well, well let's, let's, let's go back to this classification, because this kind of worries me. Uh, for official use only, it's a very low classification. It is. Uh, it's basically you don't have to store it. Uh, you don't have to cover it. It just means that you don't share it with people. Uh, well, in the military, you'd share it with other military people. You could leave it out in the open, exposed. Uh, it just didn't require safeguarding or being under a lock and key. And it seems to me you're talking about if they've released these documents to you, um, 
and they were only labeled. They want to. Yes, they well, want but, to. But I'm saying, I'm saying that the, that their label is only for official use only. They weren't very highly classified. Uh, nor should they be. No, no, not at all. In fact, that's how the cover-up works. Uh, the emerging truth here is that that's exactly uh, what is happening. Um, in fact, some of these reports uh, that were sent to me were already made public, and I was happy to see that. In fact, it kind of strengthens the case here in, in a couple of different ways, and I'll explain. Uh, the fact that uh, these materials were released, this information was released, this technical information is out there, and, and it should be out there, is because the te technology transfer of the lessons learned from ET material study uh, has already occurred. It continues. This controlled release of technical information spurs innovation. It ultimately seeps benefit to the private sector. Uh, these documents were formally for official use only, and they were select, uh, circulated among uh, select uh, theoretical physicists in academia that were contracted by government. But once they were deemed suitable for general release, they're, they're trickled out to a larger audience, as they should be. Um, and, but that doesn't, um, that doesn't I, suggest cover-up. Um, no. No, well, I think that, that suggests well, proper scientific research and, and uh, communications. I'm not quite understanding what you mean. Uh, the the cover-up is that this material, the impetus uh, for the study is... Uh, UFO debris. But, the, but is done, there anything in the documents? Yeah. Is there anything in the documents that relates specifically to UFO debris? Yes, the request itself and all of the responses from the DIA only mention UFO debris, only mention UAPs, only mention Bigelow Aerospace. At no time whatsoever in any of the materials is advanced weaponry mentioned, or any kind of defense medals, or aerospace medals. Uh, both the FOIA request and the DIA reply never mention anything whatsoever about that, and only about UFOs. Well, and I understand. I understand your. Know, I understand your request was for information about UFOs. I I, I understand that. Yeah, it was a little but, bit more than that, though, uh, Kevin. Let me let me explain that it uh, was very specific in that uh, it requested information on material found as flotsam, shot off, or crashed material recovered by the Department of Defense from UFOs or UAPs. And in the documents themselves, not the response, not the emails that you receive from the D DIA or the Pentagon or the DOD, is there anything in those materials specifically that relates to crash recovered debris or alien or extraterrestrial? Uh, it does not, and thankfully it doesn't, nor should it. Uh, I think there's some naivete in the UFO community about science and engineering and how these things work. I can speak with some authority on this. I'm about to reveal something I've never told anybody. I'm going to reveal it uh, to you today and now. Um, I'm an executive search consultant, as I've mentioned on my website. But I'm an executive search consultant to the defense and aerospace industries, Kevin. My clients include companies like Lockheed, L3 Harris, and companies like that. So I have a very strong and deep understanding of science and engineering in the private sector. And uh, I'm hesitant to even mention this, but for 20 years, this has been my life's work. I have actually found for many of these companies uh, some of the most top scientists in the world uh, to work on uh, all kinds of aerospace 
uh, and defense projects. And people in the UFO community um, are a little naive in that they think that these technical reports are going to mention Roswell or Alien, but they would never do that. In fact, it's very extraneous and very irrelevant to material science and engineering research work. One would not start talking about the rancher Mac Brazel, who found the debris in 47, or Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer that followed. It has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with technical information that's derived from ET materials for military and aerospace applications. Uh, we're talking about something that was over 70 years ago. Most of these fellows weren't even born then. So they have no idea what the impetus of their work is. They have no idea that their work was inspired by memory metal phase diagrams that were done in 1948. But I think the real question here is, aren't you inferring a great deal from the documentation you have to suggest that it is coming from, um, I guess, re recovered metallic debris from, from alien spacecraft? No. Couldn't you, couldn't no, you leave? I don't agree you, with you, Kevin. Uh, yeah. what, what if... if let me play devil's advocate here. And for please. the skeptics out there, remember, I'm playing devil's advocate here. It's not the position I necessarily hold. And please don't quote me as saying I now believe it. this because I'm getting quoted out of mm -hmm. context all the time. Mm -hmm. But let's say that Roswell was mundane. It was to trustfully produce something or other. Um, but it was it was a, an advance in the metallurgy of the times. Uh, wouldn't you be getting the same sort of um, documentation, the same sort of, of uh, investigation, scientific investigation? I mean, do I, we I, think, I, I think I think I read what alien, you're saying, Kevin. Do we need the mm -hmm. alien aspect of it to get to the to get to where you are today? Uh, well, one could ask, why would they release if the material relates to advanced weaponry? Why would they release it to Anthony Bregalia? Absolutely, they, but but it seems that either way, Kevin, whether it was UFO related or advanced weaponry related, or as I believe both, why was it released at all? I don't have an answer for you. All I can tell you is that I received it. Well, I, I got that. I understand that completely. But it, it it seems to me that you're inferring an awful lot from the documentation that may not oh, be. Oh no, 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 Kevin. Uh, I I refer you to the original FOIA request. In fact, uh, for readers, uh, I'd like to quote from it. I think it's very important. Uh, in December 26, 2017, I wrote to uh, the FOIA Defense Intelligence Agency Public Liaison, and I explained that I was requesting, and I'm going to read to you, Kevin. I was requesting documentation that included physical description of all held material, sources of origin of all held material, circumstance and method of obtainment of all held material, i.e. flotsam, residue, shot-off material, or crashed UFO or UAP material, custodian U.S. government agency of all held material, the titles and authors of all technical and analytical reports conducted on all held material, the test results on all UFO slash UAP recovered material to include physical properties, chemical and elemental composition of material, and determination of the material as of terrestrial or extraterrestrial origin. That was the request. The reply was responsive to that. The DIA confirms this. And they replied with 
what I consider to be material that uh, demonstrates extraordinary capabilities. I think it's a stunning admission. But the point is here, the material doesn't relate to anything that you can directly point to as being alien or extraterrestrial. It could be the uh, I, result... I'm not reading what you're saying, uh, Kevin. Uh, uh, the response acknowledges the request and repeats the very words that I use in the request from the uh, DIA chief. Yes, but I can, I he can says, do that. He says that this re is in response to your request for UFO, UAP material. Read the uh, response. Um, uh, there's a link to it in the article, but they full know, full well know what I was referring to. There can be no let, ambiguity about it whatsoever. Let's let's break right here because I have you got to. It. Because I you have got to. It. I have to. And when we come back, we'll explore this a little bit deeper and get a little bit more information about what's going on. The website is www.ufoexplorations.com. Tony Brigalia is the guest on this. My website is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And if you're interested in some of my Vietnam experiences, take a look at www.vietnamgroundzero.blogspot.com and you'll see the almost true stories of my um, Vietnam experience. And say almost because I have to rely on memories and some of the memories may be not as focused as they could be. Um, and I found some of that out, out of reading the letters that I had sent home from Vietnam. We will be back with Tony Begalia talking about um, recovered UFO debris and the Air Force or the military investigations into it right after this. So please stick around. Tony Bregalia is the guest. I'm Kevin Randall, host of The Different Perspective. We're talking about UFOs and his specific FOIA requests. And when we took the break, he was reading his request to the Department of Defense and the response, which he would, which mentioned UFOs. And I wanted to bring up a point of that. I had been trying to find, and I, and I still haven't gotten a response, for the documentation relating to the instructions, the uh, and I, I'm trying to remember here because I don't have the, the document in my hand, to uh, minutes of meetings, instructions, orders, um, anything relating to the Air Force investigation of uh, the Roswell case back in 1995 of Colonel, Colonel Richard Weaver, who was on this program not too long ago. And... Uh, what may have transpired between the Secretary of the Air Force and Colonel Weaver and the various organizations involved in the investigation of that. And the request specifically laid out all the same sort of things that you, you, you talked about, Tony. Mm -hmm. But the response was uh, sending me to the government printing office, oh. which of course was not responsive to the request. It just directed me somewhere else. Uh, I finally ended up at um, Maxwell Air Force Base at the Air Force Archives, which eventually directed me to the National Archives, which directed me back to um, Maxwell Air Force Base. The point being that that your request was very, very specific in what you wanted, and they said we're referring, we're responding to your request. 
my suggestion is, based on my experience, is could they be diverting your attention to something else? You know, it's a good question. Uh, I can only tell you that the DIA chief, and I have this uh, in my article as a link, which everybody can read, uh, when the DIA chief, whose name is Stephen Tumiski, T-U-M-I-S-K-I, responded to my request, and I quote, Mr. Bregalia, here is the response to your request. We believe these are responsive records specific to test results from the UAP material from Bigelow Aerospace under contract to the DOD slash Pentagon. I have personally reviewed your original request and am providing you all of this information. It's there for everybody to see. I don't know how else one can interpret it. I requested test results on UAP material, and the DIA confirmed understanding that and wrote back explaining that they are providing to me material that is responsive to my request for test results from the UAP material from Bigelow Aerospace under contract to the DOD slash Pentagon. I don't know how much more clear it could be. Um, I just don't, Kevin. I, I, it's beyond me. I, maybe you can offer some insight, but uh, this is what the DIA chief says. And as we know, the uh, Pentagon spokesperson, Susan Gog, is in direct conflict with her DIA chief. Uh, they are pitted against each other in a way that is extraordinary. Well, let me ask you, uh, have, yeah. have they, you, you, once your article came out, or you, you published your article, and, and there's been some response in the UFO community to it, um, and you've been trying to contact these people since that point. Are, they, are you still in contact with them? Or what are they saying? Nothing. Uh, they've avoided me completely, and specifically I want to talk about a Pentagon spokesman and strategic planner with the Pentagon named Susan Goh, G-O-U-G-H. Uh, she issued a um, statement, a very brief statement, uh, indicating that she was aware of social chatter on this matter and that uh, it instead relates to advanced weaponry. Uh, doing a little bit of a deep dive on Mrs. Gog, we find that uh, there's a reason she probably isn't contacting me on the matter after I've sent many emails to her. But she's seen somehow to be selectively communicating with other people that inquire about the issue. Uh, it's appalling for her to ignore me. It indicates that she doesn't wish to deal with me directly while she plots her next public move. Um, some of the things she said are unconscionable. She states in a questioning way that the FOIA documents I have presented, uh, quote-unquote, appear to be genuine. Well, they don't appear to be genuine. They are, in fact, genuine. And this is very reflective of her known ability to craft messages to discredit and obscure. I found out that actually she's not just a spokesperson. She was employed by Booz Allen and Hamilton, one of the most well-known defense contractors in the world, one of the most high-end consulting firms in the world to the nation's military and intelligence agencies. And she headed up, Kevin, uh, psychological operations consulting, where she was uh, tasked to convey selected information and indicators to audiences to influence their emotions, their motives, their objective reasoning, and ultimately their behavior uh, she's a graduate of the U.S. Army War College, and she's got a graduate degree in strategic studies. 
uh, if you Google her name and UFO or AATIP, you'll see a history of very ambiguous and, and confusing statements. But this woman has no idea uh, that such ET research has been folded into and, and often works under the guise of uh, aeronautical materials research. Uh, I know that she holds security clearances, probably with full scope uh, poly, but, but she has no need to have been read into the Roswell program or the exploitation of uh, UFO crash debris. Uh, she says what she's told. And uh, I think you would agree, you couldn't possibly disagree, that it's appalling that she is not um, calling me back or contacting me, but apparently sees fit to talk to other people who are detractors of mine. And I'd well, like to get to that issue as well. Well, let me, let me ask you a question here, because we had some of the same stuff coming up a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, with, um, with Philip Corso and his claims that the material had been ceded to companies. The night vision goggles, for example, were a, a result Ridiculous. of... Ridiculous. Philip Corso has no meaning or relationship to this conversation. He was a fraud, a complete fraud, as you know. He had the idea that uh, technology was transferred, and he inserted himself into history and, and it was a pretend. It's a fraud and really doesn't bear any kind of discussion, I don't think. Uh, although I'd be happy to talk about it, I don't think Phil Corso has anything to do with any of this whatsoever. Uh, he was a fraud. But it this seems is real. Me, this is real. Uh, that was fraudulent. But the point simply is, you know, here is a here is a fellow who um, came forward with information, but didn't have a good um, handle on where things had come from. At all. And, In fact, I'll give you a great example: Kevlar. Kevlar was discovered by a PhD female scientist by accident at Dupont. Uh, Kevlar uh, allows people to be, well, you, you know more than anyone, Kevlar is a material that helps uh, prevent uh, people from being shot to death. Uh, and uh, it had nothing to do with E.T. recovered material. Uh, Philip Corso was a fraud. I don't know how he bears any relationship at all to this. But uh... but he but he was coming out with this information, and, and you're coming out with information, and we, we, we've, we've discussed the documentation you have in your FOIA request, and now we, we learn that, that there's some pushback by the Pentagon on this as well, that they're refusing to speak with you or they're, they're saying that this doesn't relate specifically to alien um, debris or anything like that. Right. Oh, and I did want to mention something about that to show that Stu Susan Gog is, uh, is lying. Uh, there's really no other word for it. Uh, Kevin, uh, about 30 pages of the material relate to nothing to do with weaponry or metals, advanced metals, uh, uh, defense metals. Uh, a full 30 pages of the material relate to nitinol or memory metal placed within the human body for health benefit. It has nothing to do whatsoever with weaponry. How did that get in there? How is it that for uh, 20 years I've been studying memory metal and all of a sudden... I get back in a FOIA request information on memory metal. Uh, and, and a memory metal that does not relate to advanced weaponry, but rather implanting it into the human body for medical benefit. Uh, so she's contradicting herself. She's lying in saying that this relates to weaponry, when in fact much of the material relates to things related to health and medical applications. 
nothing to do with military applications. Well, I can see military applications for, for that stuff as opposed to weaponry. There are other military Oh, absolutely, there's military applications. But the material that I received related to medical and health applications by implanting memory metal in the human body. How does that relate in any way whatsoever to AATIP or weaponry? That's an interesting question that you pose there, but I would suggest that maybe they were just sending you everything they had that they thought was responsive to your request. That, that, uh, that there you, you go. I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. So they're defeating uh, their own statements by saying that it relates to advanced weaponry by including within that material information on medical and health applications but of I'm, this but I'm uh, extraordinary I'm material. I'm suggesting here that as they developed the weaponry, that there were there were side benefits that they um, discovered, and that was why they would include that sort of thing in there. But what what I'm what I don't understand here, Tony, is um, you're inferring that it all comes from the, an extraterrestrial source, but I don't see the documentation to suggest it, other than your 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 FOIA request specifically asking for that which in my experience with FOIA requests means very little uh, because they'll pull out of the shelf what they think might relate to it and whether it does or not, they don't care because they've now fulfilled the requirement to respond and, and um, they're repeating back to you what you, what you said, but, it, but there's nothing in the documentation that takes us directly into the extraterrestrial. I think there's one mention of extraterrestrial in this whole thing and it refers to um, using materials, if, if, if we went to Mars, using the local materials. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the only uh, but I'm not, I'm not under. I'm not reading, I'm not picking up what you're putting down here at all, uh, Kevin, I'm sorry. Uh, to be clear, uh, I requested information on test analysis of UAP material held from Bigelow Aerospace. Got it, understood. And they, re and they, and they said, here is your information in response yes, to test it. results from the UAP material from Bigelow Aerospace. Well... I'm not. I'm not understanding what. what you're but there's not understanding. nothing. There's nothing in the documentation that takes you into the extraterrestrial. You're referring to but, your, your Kevin, request. Kevin, why you're should it? To why their... should it? Uh, we've already gone over that, Kevin. It, it, it would. Um, I, I don't know if you understand uh, the nature of material science and engineering. I understand the nature of the military. You know, Oh, I, I know, and I think this is where the disconnect is. Uh, if people understood and appreciated uh, science and engineering and uh, reports and research, they don't talk about Roswell or ET when they're doing analysis of a material and its potential application. Why would they? The point is you are inferring the extraterrestrial connection here, and I I'm do not, not see it. it. Kevin, I, I can't agree with you. I'm sorry. I'm not inferring anything. I'm not inferring anything. Uh, Stephen Tomiski, the DIA chief, responded specifically to a request that couldn't be more specific. Uh, it couldn't be more clear. His response couldn't be more clear. And the fact that they're not responding back to me, Kevin, is indicative of something. Don't you think? I... Uh have a question that we will get back to in just a moment because I'm going to have to take a break here. But we're, we're, we're talking at cross purposes here, I feel. And I'm not making my question clear enough with my understanding of how FOIA works and how responses work and, and which, what you've gotten there. So we'll get back to that when uh, 
when we return right after this break, I'm talking to Tony Begalia. His uh, website is www.ufoexplorations.com. UFO Explorations, Explorations is a single lowercase word. Um, we're talking about his response from the government uh, suggesting a possibility of uh, extraterrestrial uh, research being well, it's not really extraterrestrial research. We'll get back to that when we when we come back. Uh, there's also some other great programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. So take a look at the X-Zone Broadcast uh, website at WZN, WZBN.net, and you'll find some interesting programs. We'll be back right after this, so please stick around. with Tony Begalia. We're talking about um, memory metals. We're talking about uh, FOIA request responses and that sort of thing. But before we get into that, I'm reliably informed. I bungled the name of the website. It's xzbn.net. I was, I don't know how I would have bungled that, but apparently I did. Anyway, it's xzbn.net and they've got a lot of good programs about the paranormal on it. So check out the website and see if there's something that appeals to you even more so than a different perspective. When we went away, we were, I think, caught up in somatic problems, talking across purposes to one another. And maybe an example will help. I once filed a FOIA request for the White Sands Missile Range. I gave them the name of the document I wanted, gave them the name of the guy who wrote it. I gave them the date of the publication. I gave them every bit of information I had. They wrote back and repeated my information and then said, we do not, uh, you, they said, um, your request was not specific enough. I don't know what else I could have put in it. I had the name of the guy that wrote it. I had the document when it was, um, um, published and the location it should have been published at. And I, that was my kind of response. I'm suggesting that, um, Tony, your, your request was very specific and they pulled documents off the shelf that were not highly classified because the FOIA, uh, the uh, for official use only, uh, classification is, uh, not very high. It's even below confidential. And and they provided you with this documentation that may not relate, spe relate specifically to UFOs or anything like that. And I'm trying to make a connection how we get from the documentation you have into sure. the extraterrestrial. Well, I would, I would refer you to the email from the DIA chief, Stephen Tomiski, on Wednesday, January 13th where he says, hello, Mr. Bergalia, here are the test results from the UAP material from Bigelow Aerospace under contract to the DOD Pentagon. And I'm, I don't know how more clear it can be. Here are the test nothing, results from nothing. the UAP material from Bigelow Aerospace under contract to the nothing, DOD with 150 pages attached. There is nothing in that documentation that gets us into the extraterrestrials, what I'm saying. You've got but, a document. You're saying, I've got an email from Kevin. the guy that said, yeah, yes, but Kevin, they do not do that. 
why would 70 years on, would scientists who weren't even born when Roswell occurred have to know about any of the circumstances about uh, or okay. impetus for their research? What you're, Do you what understand you're the concept of, of compartmentalization? No, I've never uh, heard I, of that, Tony. Of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, I'm being facetious, but Kevin. No, you're being uh, condescending. In, 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 in an engine, no, I'm not. In an engineering uh, firm that's retained by government to do projects, a boss may not even know what his underlings are involved in because he has no need to know. He does not have special access. He has not uh, gained uh, the ability to know. Uh, this is very, very common. I mean, it's so highly compartmentalized that someone that's working on You're missing instance, the point, in, in, invisibility projects would You're have no need to point. know about Mac Brazel or 1947. You're missing the point precisely. What I am saying here in the documentation you received, not in the email exchanges with the various individuals, in the documentation you have there, there is nothing that leads us directly into the extraterrestrial. There's nothing to suggest that other than you inferring it based on your email communications. Is that not correct? No. What is, is wrong? Correct, Kevin. Well, we can go around in circles, but... Uh... I don't know what more I can say to you other than well, that you know, they provided UAP, to me material UAP, on UAP. You know, UAP means... Held at Bigelow Aerospace. You understand that UAP is unidentified aerial phenomenon that does not necessarily relate to an extraterrestrial spacecraft. And if you go look at the Project Moondust um, documents, it says that they're to explore returning space debris of un. Uh, unknown, uh, a foreign manufacturer, unknown origin. That does not take you directly to the UFO. There are other moon dust documents that do exactly that, relate to UFOs. And I'm saying here in the documentation you have, it does not relate specifically to anything that would be that 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 is that proves or relates to or establishes extraterrestrial presence. That's all I'm saying here. Uh, well, you're entitled to your opinion. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not able to uh, persuade you in any way, so I guess we're at a standstill there. But uh, I, I don't agree with you, Kevin. I, I really am not understanding where you're coming from, frankly. Uh, I, I don't know what it could be more clear. that I requ My request was so very specific, and I, I encourage you to reread it. Tom, there could Tony, be no, Tony, there's no Tony, ambiguity. The there is no Tony, misinterpretation. Tony. Tony, I've read the request. I've read. I've got a copy of your your email that you sent to them. I've got mm -hmm. copies. You sent me copies of the responses to it, and I agree. It says UAP in there, but the the response says UAP as opposed to UFO, um, which covers an awful lot of ground. And I'm saying that in the documentation that that they responded to you with in that documentation, there is nothing that we can conclusively point to that suggests an extraterrestrial involvement. Where can you show me any other scientific documents that talk about invisibility, compression of electromagnetic energy, um, and those kinds of properties? Where are I they? have I have seen I've seen on YouTube uh, 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 an example of the invisibility. Uh, cloak that they've been developing. I think it was it uh, UC Berkeley. That's correct. So, so there is some of that research going on, but and, and it's an extrapolation from research that preceded it. 
So I well, let, let, let me ask you this then, Kevin. I don't mean to ask a question of a question, but if this material were to benefit humanity, and if there was a way to do technology transfer of the lessons learned from the ET material study, how do you think that it will get to the private sector? How do you think it is that there would be controlled release of technical information that will seep into the private sector? You're uh, now you're back to Philip Corso. And that, that Not at all. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that was his explanation that he was seeding parts and pieces of things into the private sector to develop them, or develop them into what we have today. So I'm just wondering about um, the the documentations you have. Uh, don't lead us to the extraterrestrial. And that's my point is, I think you've inferred things there that uh, aren't there. Uh, I mean, you've, you've inferred this extraterrestrial connection and I don't see it there precisely. And there's any number of documents that you can look at you can Google for the invisibility, for example. You can Google that, and you can get, you can see some of that research. So it's out there in the public arena. And it, but it should be. And it should be. That technical information is out there, and it should be out there. Not arguing I'm, that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how is it going to benefit anybody if it's kept? It's been 70 years. I mean, uh, why wouldn't we begin to reap the benefits of this material? And, yes, Granted, all of that, but that's speculation. But Kevin, what they're doing, it's rather clear that they've blended or laundered this research on extraterrestrial material into the applications for military use. Uh, they're studying UFO debris under the cover of materials research for defense applications. Uh, they've integrated them to obscure the truth, uh, that these materials represent our best efforts at replicating them to the military's advantage. I'm going to tell you something else I've noticed. There's been various program names that have been used over the years, uh, such as Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, Advanced Aerospace Weapons Systems Applications Program, and now Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force to confuse the mission of these programs. At various points in time, these programs could involve UFO study, uh, weapons research, or airborne enemy threats, and it allows the Pentagon to answer an inquiry in a number of different ways. And despite the efforts by the Pentagon to spin the importance of these UFO documents, they remain the best official written evidence ever received confirming alien visitation. And there's one thing that's certain. They're going to continue to develop reasons and excuses to explain away the truth. Uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, one could ask why, if this relates to weaponry, why would they give it to Anthony Bergalia? Well, the, 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 but, but the point I've been making, and you've talked around it, it greatly, is that there is nothing in the documentation that gets us Neither to the should extraterrestrial. There be, Kevin. Neither should there, Kevin. You're naive, Kevin, uh, in terms of the ways of science and engineering. It is not the way it works. Uh, people who are working on these types of material are not privy to the overall project and program. Tony, Tony, Nor should I, they be. I, I am familiar with compartmentalization. I've worked in intelligence for 20 years. I understand all of that sort of thing. And I'm saying in the documentation you received, you are inferring an extraterrestrial emphasis. In no, it. I'm not. I, the DIA has responded to a specific request. I'm inferring nothing. 
point to the po- point to the place in the documents that you received. The place it wouldn't the be document. there. Why would it be there? How many times do we have to repeat that that kind of information would not be in a scientific report? And I, all I'm saying is it's not there, and you, you have inferred a connection between the UFO crash at Roswell with this material. And yes, the- because of the memory metal. It's something that you really have not delved into to the degree that I have, Kevin, and you know this. I've spent the last 20 years uh, researching memory metal, nitinol, and shape recovery alloys, and to receive documents responsive to my request to include nitinol and memory metal was extraordinary. And I am saying once again, um, we 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 can we can look online. We can find scientific papers and documentation that relates to all of this sort of thing. Which you but should. We get, but we yes, n- not arguing that point. I am just saying that that I look at the documentation you received, and I understand what you asked for, and I understand how they responded mm-hmm. to it. I get all of that. But when I look at the documentation, I see nothing that tells me as somebody involved in UFO research for a great many years, been involved in the military and understand how all of this works, I see nothing there that leads me into the extraterrestrial. That's all Except I'm saying. Except for the request itself and the way it's written and the response <sighs> from the DIA and what it's, the way it's written. And you couldn't been... be more clear. Um, it would be like me asking for information on apples and you give me oranges. It just doesn't translate. Um, at no time whatsoever did I ever mention advanced weaponry, defense metals, or anything like that. I'd never talked about uh, hulls for jets or nose cones or any of this kind of thing at all. I only talked about UFOs, Bigelow Aerospace, which I wish we had more time to talk about, because I think this would answer a lot of your questions, and uh, reference again made to UAPs. Never to anything else whatsoever. There can't be uh, any question whatsoever that uh, my uh, request was clear, it was unambiguous, they understood the meaning of the request, and they replied back in the most clear way you can. And the fact that they're now going underground is very telling. But, you know, we are coming along here at uh, an hour, and I would like to very much get uh, to uh, a mention of a major detractor to this story, uh, Kevin, a man, not, a man named no, uh, John Greenwald no, of the Black Vault. Tony, we don't have time for that because oh. we're running out of time here. That's unfortunate. I've got to, I've, I've got to break it off here. I'm, I've got to take it for the – I'm at a hard Well, break, I thank so you I, so much for the time, Kevin. And we'll try to – maybe we'll connect again on this and see if we can get into Bigelow Aerospace. Yes, because I would very much like to talk about John Greenwald of the Black Vault. Well, anyway, we'll, and, get, uh, we'll get back to that and, and, later on. Uh, the – the website is www.ufoexplorations.com, UFO Explorations, one word. The man is Tony Begalia. He's talking about UFOs in the Pentagon and the way uh, they have responded to some of the things that um, his requests that he's made through the FOIA. Um, and I do want to mention once again um, to take a look at Encounter in the Desert, which is my take on the Lani Zamora landing, and Tony and I have butted heads on that as well. Maybe we'll get a, a show going where we'll discuss the um, idea that it was some kind of hoax. Uh, I will be back here in 167 hours with a different guest on a different perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network. So thank you for tuning in. <laughs>